Hanshaw College. This is Ilhan Aden, and I'm the multimedia reporter for the Interobank. Welcome to the podcast. Today's episode, we have an informative conversation about universal basic income between our Interobank reporter, Hannah Theodore, and Anwar Issa, the FSU finance coordinator. However, before we get to that, listen. I know all of you are just as tired as I am, and with the semester finally inching closer and closer to that finish line, I'm just going to assume you're all like me and need a break. So I'm going shopping, and you guys are invited to join me at the Fashion Marketing and Management pop-up shop this week. I'm joined today by Trent Ainsworth and Caitlin Petosha, two students of the program involved in the pop-up shop, to tell us a little bit more about it. Okay, so how are you guys to start off? How is your day, guys? We are good. Good, how are you? I am exhausted, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Can't wait for the semester right? to end. <laughs> I know. It's been a long one, but we're almost there. We're almost, almost at the end. Almost there. So, yeah. tell me, so to begin, I know what a pop-up shop is, but you know, sometimes people have no idea. So, <laughs> let's start there. What mm-hmm. is a pop-up shop? So, usually, our pop-up shop is done in person at Goodwill Industries. So it's usually just for a day. It's where we like set up, we do a little fashion show. You can go in, you can buy the clothing, everything. But this time we're doing a pop-up shop online. So it's just for a week. So you can go on livechic.ca and you can shop our clothing on there. But a pop-up shop is just a small, um, small variety of clothing. And it's usually up for just a limited amount of time. So this time it's up for a week instead of just one day. Okay, so then instead of the week one day, is that because of COVID and you guys are hoping that online is just going to take some time for people to come in? Or is that something that you guys are maybe hoping to continue to do a pop up shop longer than one day? I think it was mostly just for COVID because Mm -hmm. we thought, okay, we can't do anything in person, but what we can do is we can create our pop-up online. And so that's what we're doing. We're doing it for the week long instead of just a day. Mm -hmm. But so it launches on Monday, but we will have a small section of um, a selection of clothing in Siskin Gallery in Fanshawe College where Mm -hmm. people can come in and shop some of the pieces. But for the most part, it is going to be online. Okay, so I was reading that it's uh, there's a story behind it. Ironically, it's called The Story. So tell me a little bit about that. What's, uh, what is it about? So The Story is kind of, it raises awareness because everybody kind of has a story that we don't know about. So it's just kind of good to just like sit back and just like learn more about everybody. And specifically, it relates to mental health awareness. So it's just kind of bringing awareness to the fact that everybody has their struggles and we just want to advocate for that so we just thought like this is a fun event and we can just like bring joy or whatever to everybody during this time especially now with COVID and everything going on. I think it definitely will lift spirits. One, just to see Fanshawe students specifically doing something. Um, I think as I was speaking with Trent earlier, just like that energizing aspect from school is missing since we can't be around each other. So it's great to come to to hear about events like this. Um, So you said, I know you were mentioning before, this is uh, a regular thing, part of your program, correct? Yeah, every year um, Mm -hmm. our program puts us on one of our event planning classes. So half of us do it this semester and another half will do it next semester. But then it is usually in person and me and Trent both were part of it last year. We did help out. So it's kind of been nice to transition from doing it in person. And then now we're experiencing doing it online. 
Yeah, it's nice you get both sides of it, especially because yeah. the industry, I'm sure, is moving towards a more online uh, approach when it comes to fashion marketing. I, I wanted to go back. You said it was about raising mental health awareness, right? Um, so can you talk a little bit about uh, the scholarship, whether the proceeds are going towards a scholarship, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. So it is a student scholarship and it g relates with Goodwill as well, since they're an advocate for um, employing students that may not get a chance because they do suffer from mental illness or um, anything like that. So it's just mm -hmm. like to bring awareness to that and just all work together to bring some light into. Oh, of of course, absolutely. Yeah. It's It sounds like a wonderful way for people to kind of get involved, buy gifts for other people, knowing their money's going to a good cause. Like that's, yeah, that, to exactly. me, that's, that's the best part, right? Because I yeah. mean, we all still have to buy holiday gifts. COVID didn't cancel Christmas, so. Exactly. <laughs> so you said it's going to be live. Can you remind everybody exactly where to find it online? It's going to be live on what was what with the website? So you can find it on livechic.ca. It is the store that we have within the school. So you can go on there at 10 a.m. on Monday, November 30th, I believe it is. And Ideally, the, the day the episode uh, comes out, guys. So you have an entire Amazing. week. <laughs> All right, yes. And so you can go on there and you can shop on there or you can, yeah, we said we can, you can join us in Siskin Gallery and you can purchase products there. But you can also find us on our Instagram at the story pop up. And so you can go on there. There's some behind the scenes photos of us picking the clothing and taking photos of the clothing and things. So it's, it's very interesting. Behind the scenes is honestly such a fun part of working in media, regardless of like what part of the yeah. industry or entertainment, I should say, because it's so much fun. There's just so many things that happen that people have no idea. So yes, guys, go exactly. check out their Instagram, like <laughs> be a part of the process. Why not? Anything else right? that you guys want to add? What time is the, okay, so you said they're live streaming. Are you live streaming the entire week or is it specific hours throughout the week? So we'll be live streaming on Tuesday night. We will mm -hmm. be having a couple performers come into the school and they will be performing some songs for us in Siskin Gallery. So you can watch it on, I think it's our Instagram Live. So yeah. if you wanna join us on our Instagram Live, you can watch it there. And yeah, So they can find live. it on the website and Instagram Live, correct? Yes, I believe it will be on the website as well. You can go on there. And we also did a couple of interviews and things like that that are being featured on the website. So you can go and watch us on there as well. So yeah, we, we've been we've been in the media. We've been yeah, around. You've been putting yeah. in work, guys. Yeah. You've been putting yeah, in work. Exactly. <laughs> so hopefully that work will be put will be put to good use and people will actually be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Thank you. You're very welcome. Anything else that you guys wanted to add before you head out? We just want people to come and support. It's kind of just yeah. a fun event and just any um, money we can make to put towards the scholarship yeah. means a lot. So it doesn't matter as little or as yeah, big. Yeah, the scholarship comes back, back to help, us. So. Yeah, the scholarship comes back yeah. to us. So, I Absolutely. mean, anything that will you want to contribute and you want to help out, that would be great. And we really appreciate that. I mean, it's a great way to kick off the Christmas season, right? Exactly. Exactly. We got some great pieces. <laughs> we have some great clothing on there. So definitely check it out. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I for sure, well, I know about these two. They will be there, yeah. but I don't know about you guys <laughs> listening. <laughs> I know I will be there. So hopefully I will I will see some uh, familiar maybe faces, names, depending if you're on Instagram or on the website. Yeah. See you all awesome. then. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys, so much for coming. Have a great day. 
Hello, Fanshawe College, and welcome to your Interrobang podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore, and this week I am joined by... Anne-Marisa. <laughs> Anne-Marisa is your FSU finance coordinator, and today we're going to be talking about uh, something that's going to be coinciding with our finance issue, which is a universal basic income, or as it's more commonly known, a UBI. So, Anwar... Can you maybe just describe for our listeners what a UBI actually is? Yep. So it's uh, it's basically a uh, payment. Um, it's called uh, universal basic income. So it's universal. So it means that everyone gets it. Um, it's uh, basically a payment for the government, no strings attached. Uh, it's a monthly check. Uh, depends on the amount. Uh, obviously, uh, each government uh, sets out uh, their own amount. And it's basically a monthly check uh, from the government. This Basically, here you go. And uh, yep, people decide what to do with their money. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much about it. Now, this has sort of come to the forefront in the last couple of years uh, in terms of growing interest. Why are people so interested in the idea of a UBI? Um, well, I feel like um, most, uh, a lot of people feel like uh, it's a solution um, for uh, the poverty um, that's been recently rising. Um, in our uh, society. Um, there's definitely been a lot of issues regarding uh, minimum wage and people um, saying that they're getting uh, uh, wages that are uh, in the poverty line. Um, so it's, I feel like it's definitely um, a really, a real, um, really uh, something exciting uh, for people because it serves uh, as a solution to fix um, that, uh, um, that poverty um, that's been currently um, uh, going on, uh, not only in Canada, but everywhere in the world. So, um, a lot of people, I feel like, um, they, um, they really, uh, depend, uh, on the, on the, on the government, um, for this, uh, like for, for a solution. So, um, uh, so like something so big as poverty, I feel like people like UBI because it's something that the government is going to, ab- uh, administer and basically just because the government is so trying or like at least trying to solve that problem yeah and you mentioned minimum wage too which i think even people that are maybe living just slightly above the poverty line but most of their wage is going towards paying their living fees right so they're almost limited even if they are making a minimum wage so something like a ubi i imagine would help sort of fill in some of those blanks so that people can not only have extra money but save money as well yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely, um, it's definitely not something that I am uh, 100% uh, opposed to. I feel like it could definitely um, help the people that most need it. Um, it's definitely, I mean, it really um, carries, I mean, being um, being a low-income family definitely carries a, a, a burden. Um, and that the UBI um, kind of uh, eases that the burden uh, a little bit. Um, but again, like, I feel like um, people shouldn't be depending 100% on the government, um, not only because then the government will get bigger, um, but I mean we see it we like we've seen it a lot uh, a lot of times, especially uh, in the U.S., um, where we see a lot of um, a lot of babies that are born um, out of uh, people not being married, like people are not getting married and they have babies, and then. Um, what uh, what happens is that basically um, they get married 
to the, uh, for example, here to the child tax uh, benefits we have here in Canada. Um, so it, 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 like it definitely does not put a, um, um, a burden uh, on the father of that baby to take care of it because he knows that the wife will get his, her child tax benefits. And I think that it applies the same to UBI. Um, there's definitely not, uh, it's not uh, an incentive um, for uh, low income families to try to uh, expand uh, their skills to get a uh, high uh, and uh, a job with a uh, higher income. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's definitely something that could help uh, families um, in the short term, but it's not something that I would personally uh, rely on for the long term. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the child tax benefit as well, because I, 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 some of the concerns that I've read with UBI as well is that it might actually take away from some of the existing government benefits or people would become too reliant on something like the UBI and maybe wouldn't um, benefit from the other kinds of government services that are already offered. So I think that could be a long-term problem as well if things like childcare are not being used or covered in the same way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I feel like um, if the government introduces uh, the UBI, it's basically saying um, that your uh, the welfare program and your uh, child tax benefits and your uh, ODSP are not are not that effective. Um, it's uh, I mean, if you want to give more money to more low income families, then maybe try to expand that welfare program or that child tax benefit or ODSP program to try to support and include more families and give them. A little bit of more money so they can um, support themselves better and have more time to worry about their mental health because we definitely see a lot of uh, people um, that are that are on welfare um, they have a lot of uh, mental health problems um, they are addic uh, they have really um, um, problematic uh, addiction um, which really contributes to that um, to more people going to welfare and not being, um, not having that uh, motivation um, to uh, move forward with life. And they really just, they really, I mean, if they say, I mean, if someone gives you money um, every month and you're in the streets and you don't have anything going for yourself and the only thing that you're thinking about is um, what am I, where am I gonna get that next, uh, that next pill, that next, uh, that next rush, um, but again, I mean, I feel that, that, that that's totally a different uh, different issue that could be discussed more uh, in depth. Um, but yeah, I feel like uh, UBI is definitely not, uh, it's not something bad per se, but as I said before, it's not something that should be relied on 100%. Yeah, I think you, you make a good point with the those kinds of concerns that I think would definitely come with addiction and um, folks maybe not using it to its full potential. Um, but let's look at some places where it has been tested. Uh, it was supposed to be tested in Ontario. Um, the Ford government scrapped that plan, so we'll never know if it would work on a mass scale. But um, in this, an interesting experiment that happened actually took place in the 70s, and this was in Dauphin, Manitoba, which was picked almost at random. They were sort of just looking for a small enough town where they could test it effectively, but that also had enough people living sort of on or below the poverty line. And 
the goal was, as you mentioned earlier, to sort of increase that quality of life for lower income families. Um, they found that hospitalizations fell and mental health improved and more children were finishing high school. Now, why do you think those were maybe some of the results that they were able to see there? Well, um, I feel like with uh, more, uh, when, you, uh, when families, for example, at often they got uh, more money uh, to meet that uh, threshold of uh, $16,000 uh, a year, um, they definitely had more uh, opportunities um, to care about themselves more um, because low-income families, they don't, um, they carry a lot of stress and uh, maybe they, they don't have enough time to uh, worry about themselves, worry about their health, worry about their kids' health, worry about how their kids are doing in school because they carry such a big stress about not having enough money to make ends meet. Um, so I feel like with that, uh, with that um, income, uh, that with that income that was uh, supplied to them uh, by the government, they were able to ease a little bit of that stress and worry about more in their health, which means lower uh, hosp hospitalization rates, and their kids doing better in school, which means more graduation rates in high school. Um, so we, I think that um, if we see what happened in Dauphin, it's, uh, it's definitely not, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it, went, uh, um, it went bad, because it didn't went bad, but I would say that in order to be 100% um, um, tested properly, it should be tested, as you said, in the masses, like it was supposed to be in 2017. But then when in 2018, when Doug Ford got elected, um, that uh, conservative government scrapped it. Um, so yeah, I feel like Dauphin is just a small town of uh, 10,000 people. So um, I feel like doing it in a bigger city, um, for example, Toronto, um, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely see um, more of the more of the more of the um, outcomes, more of a realistic outcome of uh, what this uh, project uh, could be. Yeah, I, I would love to see it on a on a bigger scale, so we could know right for mm -hmm. sure if it was effective or not. I think um, one of the things that stood out with me with Dauphin as well was um, one example that I was reading had to do with a guy who was able to start a business with the extra money that he had. And I mean, me or you starting a local business, that is contributing in a positive way to our local economy, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not, um, it's definitely not, uh, it's definitely not looked uh, badly upon someone starting a business. Um, I feel like uh, obviously with more money, you have um, more of a freedom to take these uh, financial risks. Um, but I mean, not everyone is the same. Not everyone's gonna use that money for the same purpose. Maybe uh, this person was thinking about having this business for a while, and then with this extra help uh, from the government, he was able to do it, which is great. I 100% support that. Um, but then we have other people that uh, are gonna say, um, okay, I have uh, this money. Um, why am I gonna work? You know, I'm not saying everyone will say that, but we do have that group of people that will say that, and I've seen that uh, firsthand because uh, I worked uh, for over a year at a check cashing place down on the, the infamous uh, Dundas and Adelaide corner. <laughs> I know it well. Yeah, <laughs> everyone does. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I kind of, uh, on the 30th of each month, every time those welfare checks came in, I saw um, these people, not everyone, but a lot of people, they came in and 
they were young people even younger than i am like i'm 20 right now like 18 year, uh, like 18 year, uh, year olds on welfare and i was like i just thought to myself like how like how are you like this young this full of energy potential and you're here married to the government and uh not you don't have that uh that um uh direction in your life and i feel like that's really counterproductive because in order to be successful in life, you need to have a goal in mind. You need to set yourself to do something, and then you need to do everything in your power to achieve it. So with the money that they're receiving each month, they don't have that incentive uh, to work, um, which means they're not being productive. So these people are um, profiting off the production of others, which is the, the, the taxpayers. I think you make an interesting point about how if this were to be tested on a mass scale, I think it would almost need to coincide with some kind of financial literacy or something to sort of help folks. Because I imagine if you're 18 years old on welfare, you're probably following in the footsteps of what you've seen your parents go through and your grandparents, and you probably come from a long line of people that are suffering from a lack of privilege. So I wonder if it would almost be more effective if we were able to teach people, if we're going to say here everyone in Canada is going to get you know X amount of dollars a month, but we're going to make sure that everyone knows the right thing to do with that money and how to make it go further for them. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. Um, we saw that happening uh, recently with OSAP. Um, OSAP now uh, makes people that are applying to uh, take a quick uh, multiple choice uh, test to test their literacy and to make sure that they know what they're getting into. Because that's what we saw in the US, there was a student debt crisis over a, tri over a trillion dollars. It's getting way out of hand. And I feel like the government's doing a really good job in order to avoid that here. Um, but uh, yeah, going back to that to that uh, topic, um, yeah, people should really like, I know it's not, I, I mean, I, I know it's not easy, uh, it's definitely easier said than done, but bre just breaking that cycle of that long line of uh, coming from a family that's been low income or uh, low resources, um, I feel like a big uh, component of that is just people not going to school. Um, we definitely can see a big, uh, cor uh, a big uh, correlation between uh, the incomes from people that go to school and people that don't. Um, so I feel like that's a really great point. Um, introducing, um, basically, uh, not like not only a test because people can just, I mean, just do the test uh, with the help of others, or they just do it um, like it's nothing because they just want to get the money and they don't really care about the test. But uh, yeah, definitely introducing like some sort of uh, if UBI um, ever comes into place uh, in Canada, it'll really be great um, to definitely have that have that um, uh, that platform for uh, people that are getting that money to know wh what they're getting into and what are the best steps or what are the best things to do uh, with that money. Yeah. I mean, everything comes down to accessibility, right? Like mm -hmm. as long as it was accessible to everyone, uh, if the money is accessible to everyone, then the education should be accessible as well. Um, so the other thing that I think um, comes into play with some of people's concerns has to do with where we sort of draw the line in terms of like an income threshold in a way that it would be fair for everyone. I know you mentioned the um, things coming at the expense of the taxpayer if other people aren't working to the same level. So where would 
where would maybe it make sense for government to say, okay, if you make over this amount of money, then, you know, UBI, that you shouldn't be getting it versus um, someone who is lower income. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel, I mean, so my point, so my view on that is that then if not everyone's getting it, then it's not universal basic income because I mean, it's in the name universal. So everyone, no matter how much you make, should get it. Um, but I mean, it's really, it doesn't make any sense for someone making a hundred thousand dollars a year to get that money. And for someone else that's making, uh, let's say $20,000 a year to get that money, because definitely the one making 20,000 will be more benefited from getting that monthly check. Um, so it really depends on, I mean, it's basically, it's, I mean, it's definitely not something easy to, um, to, to measure. Um, but uh, I feel like uh, there's, there, I mean, there should be a th uh, uh, threshold like we saw in Dauphin, that's $16,000 a year. Um, so I, I, th I feel like around that, around that line, around 20,000 um, by um, household, I feel like it should be more of a household thing, um, like rather than, a, than an uh, individual um, point of view. Um, but yeah, I would like, I would personally, like, I'm not like an economics expert or anything by that. Um, but I feel like around $20,000 wouldn't be such a bad place to start. I mean, just test it out, see how it goes. It's a trial and error thing. Um, if it works and it works, if it don't, then you got to adjust and then um, see where most people are benefited and then use that threshold. Yeah, I, th I feel like 20 to 30,000, like, I feel like that's when you're at the point where most of your income is going towards bills and living expenses. So I could see it being the most beneficial maybe for people that are in that mm -hmm. situation. I think too, maybe there's an argument to be made for, or I guess maybe does this take away from the universal factor if it was based on almost a percentage of your income, uh, or if that would, again, take away from the, the universal aspect of it that not everyone's getting the same, but you're getting a certain amount based on what you make. Definitely, but I mean, going back to that, uh, to that point of someone making $100,000 a year, it doesn't, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like a, an extra $1,000 uh, a month or if we base it off a percentage, um, I don't, like I don't even think it's going to be as high as a as thousand dollars a month. So that money is not even affecting that person. And I mean, it's been proved uh, psychologically that when you make over $70,000 a year, um, there's a psychological effect on your mind that you don't like, you're not missing out on anything. Like you feel fulfilled. Um, so it's, I mean, it's definitely not, uh, it's not something that will, I will, I will like, I would feel it'll benefit a larger population of, of, uh, people that actually need it. If it's not, it's not a universal basic income, but it's different thing. Maybe we, um, we, uh, we can strengthen our uh, welfare system, uh, or introduce a new benefit and which, uh, focus especially on low income households. For sure. It's, um, it's definitely something that I think is going to take a lot of, um, if it were ever to be done on a mass scale, like there would have to be years of planning behind it. And I think the other big concern that people have has to do with the cost at the end of the day. Um, can you speak a little bit to that? Definitely. Um, I feel like the cost is probably the biggest issue here. Um, taxes are going to go up. Um, so when taxes go up for people that work, but then people that don't work are getting that benefit. 
they're basically it's basically the government's basically stealing from you to benefit other people that are not producing as well as you are i mean not everyone comes from the same um from the same uh, situations obviously everyone has different uh, situations privilege um but i feel like it's definitely that's definitely the biggest issue here and it's i feel like it's not that's it's i mean it's not something that a lot of people would be happy to increase their taxes i don't think er, like i don't think anyone would come and say to the government hey please please increase my taxes nobody wants to pay more taxes because then it's less money of my paycheck of my paycheck less money of your of uh, your paycheck and all this money is going um like some of it is going to people that actually need it but at the, again a lot of that money is also going to people that simply choose not to produce i think part of it comes with too like with what we what we value as a nation and with each other and whether or not like i i have such high hopes that if people are given money that they would do their best but then sometimes you know that there there are people that are going to exploit it um you mentioned fulfillment earlier which i think is an interesting word and a lot of i mean more socialized nations as well um mo many people even though their taxes are higher they do report being happier overall um and a lot of that comes from having additional government supports. Uh, is there too, maybe we've gone too far here in Canada to sort of switch our mindset to um, maybe operating our government in a way such as that? Well, I think, I think, uh, I feel like uh, what you're talking about is uh, the uh, Scandinavian countries, uh, Norway, those countries that are more of, uh, uh, more uh, socialized. Um, I mean, they pay a lot, like really, really high taxes. Um, but again, I feel like our, uh, we have the uh, cultural differences of uh, people um, from, the from the other side of the world that have a completely different upbringing from us here in the Western world. Um, so it's definitely, def it, I mean, it definitely has different outcomes on different parts of the world, as uh, we are um, seeing by example. And uh, I feel like in order to be completely... Um, rolled out uh, it could be tested not only like on a small population as dolphin but we could probably try something bigger maybe i'm not saying maybe not toronto but um something more of a um of the population of a big city that has more people and has a lot of more different outcomes because i feel like we saw basically the same outcome in dolphin same 10,000 people but if we see it in toronto it's gonna be a way different outcome yeah, I, th I think diversity is going to have to be huge. I imagine a town in Dauphin, Manitoba, was probably mostly one race of people, mostly one mo mo amount of income versus a city like Toronto or another city in Ontario that might have a more mm -hmm. diverse population. Yeah, they, they, they actually had uh, a big, big uh, Ukrainian population. So that really played, I feel like that really played a big, um, a big part of what went down. Um, in, in Dauphin, um, it is a farmer town, so not only um, not only uh, the profession uh, played a different uh, outcome, but only uh, a lot of the people that are there, which are a lot of people from Ukraine, and uh, yeah, it's definitely it definitely varies by let's say by race or by profession. Yeah. 
stuff like that. Yeah, profession is huge. You're right. That was a, a farming town was the big mm. the big thing that that article had mentioned about Dauphin. Um, maybe looking at our our Fanshawe grads and people that are going to be graduating soon. I think a lot of people sort of feel like that early 20s phase when you're fresh out of college or university can kind of be a hard time financially, especially if you have student loans. So maybe if UBI was applied to not just that group, but if that group was looking at it, how might it benefit Fanshawe grads that are in entry level jobs just trying to get started? Well, obviously, um, the uh, the obvious factor would be that they, it will make it easier for them to pay off their student loans. Um, and then since they get the, that extra money from the government to pay their student loans, they actually have more money, more uh, residual income to uh, keep in their savings, invest, um, save for a down payment for a house. Um, but my honestly, like my uh, yeah, it's definitely something that could help a lot of grads, but it's not something that should be given to every grad um just i feel like um if you're fresh out of college yes you are going into an entry-level job but you have a diploma so it, it's it, like it's not a job that anyone can get you actually have to go to get an education for it so i feel like there is like there is a big um a big chance for uh progression for income uh, income uh, progression so yes it is hard at the beginning um but i feel like that like that's just life it's just uh, a matter of getting, uh, like being thrown out to the real world and then standing up on your feet and then climbing that ladder. Yeah, there's definitely um, an aspect of figuring your way through it for sure. Um, a couple of the things you were mentioning there to like saving money and um, putting things away to save for later. I think the other thing too that's important to mention is that having expendable cash can and spending money is kind of like what the economy wants from us a lot of the times. And I mean, especially right now, we have Doug Ford telling us, go, go, go shop local. You know, <laughs> a lot of us can't do that because usually those local boutiques are more expensive mm -hmm. than the cheaper option that, you know, has us going international to Walmart or something like that. So do you see that as being a, a potential benefit as well, that people will have more money in their pockets just for spending? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, everyone does what they want with their money. Um, not everyone's going to invest. Not everyone's going to save. A lot of people are going to spend uh, their money not that uh, wisely. Um, but I mean, like, who am I to tell, like, tell them, like, no, you need to spend your money this way, that way, you know? Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely the pros and cons are that I would say the pro, obviously, you have more money in your pocket, more money in your savings. You can invest. You can actually build those uh, you can actually set those building blocks to set yourself up for a, for a success uh, for a successful uh, financial future. And uh, I would say some of the cons will be um, people don't use that money like how they're supposed to use it. Not like they use it as responsibly as they should be. Um, but I mean, again, I'm like, who am I to tell them you need to spend your money that way? It's just my personal view on it. Yeah, I think. This kind of goes hand in hand with what we were saying before that some kind of financial literacy, I think, would be key so that everyone could at least be on the same page in terms of at least understanding maybe some of the popularly considered right ways to, to spend your money or save your money. So I guess lastly here, do you ever see this happening for real on a mass scale? Uh, my personal opinion is maybe in the future. 
but not everywhere. Maybe in a small country, um, for example, Norway, some of those countries, uh, Scandinavian or Nordic countries, um, with where they're a more of a socialized country. But uh, in Canada or the U.S., no, absolutely not. I think si- it's interesting you mentioned size because I think size is such a major mm-hmm. factor. Every province in Canada has a different culture and a different different level of income, different levels of education, different political interests, right? We're so different and diverse. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, um, uh, like, I mean, as you said, the culture plays a big part of it, but also the population. I mean, more people means, uh, more people means more money to be, uh, uh, distributed around but again those people that are getting it are not um, are not working or are not working as much which means they're not contributing as much taxes to the economy in order to support these payments so um, I mean we're seeing right now a big deficit in Canada's uh, economy at the moment Um, and I feel like uh, going back to that uh, dolphin uh, experiment what really um, uh, cost it to um, to not be as effective or to end completely is like it was the, that experiment was during the 1970s and the 1970s was not such a nice uh, place to be uh, economically wise in Canada because the Canada during 1970s they experienced a, a stagflation which means high unemployment high inflation rates and it's really cost uh, those costs mostly in part because of the uh, the energy crisis. Um, so I feel like whenever something like that happens, um, that money should be better spent somewhere else. Um, we just saw that actually um, here in uh, here in Canada bec- uh, of the uh, because of the uh, COVID pandemic. Um, a lot of people were receiving these payments of two thousand dollars a month that they don't even deserve, and um, we saw that that. Uh, they were like over eight hundred, over eight hundred thousand dollar. I mean, over eight hundred thousand payments of uh, fraud payments. So it's, I mean, it's definitely of something that people can take advantage of because then um, they uh, they will be able to get that benefit, but then they will be working under the table and not reporting that money to the government, which means that they keep getting that benefit and then they get that money under the table, which means that they're not paying taxes, they're not contributing to society as we all do. It's a good point. I just want to say that I think that 800,000 number was a, a little bit misinterpreted in the press because the um, that was the cutoff for the 2019 tax returns and they pushed back the deadline for that. So the number was actually a little bit smaller, but there were people that definitely mm-hmm. did not, um, that were getting the SERP mm-hmm. that didn't qualify for it 100%. Um, I just want to qualify, cr- clarify for our listeners that I think that 800,000 number was sort of misinterpreted. Um, but th- I mean, lots of press outlets were broadcasting that number. Yeah, a lot, and of, a lot, of, a lot of press um, have their different uh, opinions and some things they shouldn't be yeah. opinioning about. But. <laughs> I'm not going to name any names, but I know who published those numbers. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the result of, of 2019 tax returns, which again, the deadline was pushed back for them. So um, it wasn't it wasn't super accurate, but you're you're very right. I think the SERP is a great example of um, people that were m- taking advantage of a program that maybe wasn't specifically designed for them, um, and that's definitely a real risk with UBI. But we won't know until it's tested on the mass scale, and I guess we'll maybe find out one day. 
I'm going to wrap up our podcast right there. Thank you so much for joining me today, Anwar. It's my pleasure to be here. Make sure you check out the Interabang podcast on Google Play, Apple Music, and Spotify. And make sure to pick up your copy of Interabang to keep up with all things Fanshawe. See you later, Fanshawe. <laughs> <laughs>